Hello, this is Jim Walsh, and welcome to my podcast called On Eagle's Wings. There's a lot in the news lately about debt forgiveness, and I am not going to get into the politics of it one way or another. But it did make me think about our relationship one with another and the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ with respect to forgiveness. So I thought it would be a good idea for us to just think about some things that Jesus mentions about forgiveness. First, in thinking about the word itself, the New Testament Greek uses two words that are used in dealing with the concept of forgiveness. The first one is the Greek word aphimi, A-P-H-I-E-M-I. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words defines it as to send forth, to send away, to remit, to cancel. It's used with respect to a debt that is owed or canceled. And so in the spiritual sense, when Jesus was talking about sin and prayer, and he was teaching his disciples about prayer, he said in Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 12, in praying to the Heavenly Father, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So there is a recognition that a debt could be forgiven. In this regard, we're talking about sin. We're talking about something that someone has done to me that I'm willing to forgive. With respect to sins, then, it is something that can be remitted, sent away. In Matthew chapter 9 and in verse 2, it says, Behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. So our master has that power to forgive sins. And he told us that when there are those in the spiritual sense who have done something wrong against us and they repent, we are to forgive them. A second word that we find in the New Testament Greek is the word korizomai, C-H-O-R-I-Z-O-M-A-I. And again, Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words says that it is to bestow a favor without condition. So it's similar to the Greek word charis, which we think about as God's grace or unconditional favor. And it's used to illustrate, again, the canceling of a debt. In Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 7, Jesus is visiting with a Pharisee by the name of Simon. And while he is in Simon's house, a woman comes in, and she begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears. Simon knows who the woman is and says to himself, If Jesus knew who this woman was, you know, he wouldn't have anything to do with her. So then Jesus tells a story, and he tells about two men who have debts, and when it's time to pay, 
one man with a great amount of money, almost impossible to pay, can't pay. And then another man with a small amount of money, which should be easily to pay, can't pay. So Jesus said in Matthew 7 verse 42, when they had nothing to pay, the one who was owned forgave them both. And so in this regard, both of them were granted the same type of favor. So in each situation, we see some common areas. One is in great need and has no means to provide for that need. One is in a position of power and able to grant that favor. The one granting the favor knows that no compensation is coming. So the one in power suffers loss and the one in need benefits. Forgiveness may then be seen as a reversal of situation. And in dealing with the spiritual sense, it is between the one who has committed the sin and the one to whom the sin has been committed against. So I cannot forgive someone of a sin that they've committed to someone else any more than I can forgive someone a sin that they've committed to God. God can forgive my sins, and I can forgive, remit, send away a sin that someone has committed to me. But I cannot be involved in anyone else's determination of whether they will do that or not. In thinking about these then, and thinking about these words, and dealing with the concept of forgiveness, what did Jesus teach? Well, first, Jesus taught that forgiveness originates with God. Again, we go back to Jesus teaching his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6, and beginning in verse 9, he said, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then in verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then in verses 14, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. So Jesus reminds us in thinking about that, that if we expect our sins to be forgiven by being given this measure of mercy and grace from God, then we should be willing to extend it to others. As God's Son, Jesus has that same power as the Father to forgive sins. Again, we look at the situation in Matthew chapter 9 with regard to the man who was brought to Jesus on a bed because he had palsy. He could not walk. Behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy lying on a bed, it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sons be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. So, Jesus was able to forgive sins because he is God who came in the flesh. 
Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus says in Matthew 1 verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So Jesus came as God in the flesh. This is seen in Matthew 1. It's seen in John chapter 1. His purpose then was to do the Father's will. And in doing the Father's will, he had the same power as the Father and could forgive sins. Jesus said in Matthew 26, verse 28, on the night of his betrayal when he instituted the Lord's Supper, in instituting the eating of the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine, he said with respect to the fruit of the vine, Matthew 26, verse 28, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, for the remission of sins. So Jesus said his blood was being shed so that we could have our sins forgiven. His blood can forgive our sins. But there's something that needs to be included in thinking about godly forgiveness, and that is the one who has committed the sin must repent. It's necessary for them to repent in order to gain forgiveness. In other words, God doesn't just say, well, everybody sinned, I just forgive. He could do that. But he wants us to recognize our wrong and repent of that wrong so that we can learn to abstain from that wrong. So in thinking about my relationship with others, in thinking about the illustration that Jesus gave with respect to the two debtors, they went to the one whom the debt was owed to and told that they could not repay. They communicated with that one about their situation. So if someone comes to me and they say, I'm sorry, then my response is not to seek vengeance. My response is to find a way to remove the problem that exists to forgive them. In Luke 17, verses 3 and 4, Jesus said, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Repentance, then, is an admission of wrong. It is a turning away from that wrong, and it is a seeking to do that which is right. That's what we have in dealing with forgiveness, turning away from the wrong, turning unto the right. It is not simply a phrase that we use to release our obligation. Now, Jesus does talk about someone who comes in seven times in a day. I don't know that that situation would unfold. Jesus knows the hearts of individuals. It's certainly possible that one could be fooling us and one could be taking advantage of us, but our Lord says that if they repent, then we are to forgive. The decision to forgive always remains with the one in power. Jesus was crucified on the cross, but as he was dying, in speaking to our Father in heaven, in thinking about those who had mistreated him, brutalized him, criminalized him, and killed him 
from the cross. Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The decision to forgive remains with the one in power. What else did Jesus teach? Well, Jesus taught that our forgiveness depends on our ability to forgive. Our forgiveness, our being forgiven, depends on our ability to forgive. Again, looking at what we read in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 13 through 15, Jesus said, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We can't expect God's favor while refusing to help those who seek forgiveness. We live by a much higher standard than the people of the world. Again, looking at Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 6, verses 35 and 36. Jesus said, But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and those that do evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. This doesn't mean that we overlook sin. Neither is it saying that God just, again, uh, is unwilling to worry about the sins of others. It's talking within the context of our making changes in our life. We should not be held accountable for the things that we have done in the past that we have repented of. And when individuals repent of their sins, when individuals repent of any wrongdoing they've done to us, we must be willing to exercise mercy and forgive them. Perfect forgiveness is a matter of our attitude. In Matthew chapter 18, in verses 23 and following, Jesus said, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, 10,000 talents is more than a lifetime's worth of, of, of support. And when he began to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had, and payment be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will repay thee. Now, again, thinking about the fact that it's 10,000, he's not going to be able to repay. But he begs and he petitions and so his master exercises mercy. The Lord of that servant, verse 27, was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Now, what did that man do? He went out and he found others who owed him smaller amounts and then he punished them for not repaying him. And when his master learned of this, his master then rescinded the forgiveness, had him sent to jail until all would be paid. So what that suggests in thinking about it in the spiritual realm is that God has forgiven us a debt that we cannot repay, our sins against him. There is no element on planet earth that I can offer to God that will repay for my sins. 
So God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into this world, that through the shedding of his blood, I might have remission of sins. So now when others offend against me, and they come to me and they apologize and they seek forgiveness, if I don't forgive them, I stand in great debt before my heavenly Father. Jesus said that perfect forgiveness is a matter of attitude. When God spoke about instituting the new covenant in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, he said, with regard to those who would have their sins forgiven, he said, their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. There is no limit on the concept of forgiveness. Peter in Matthew 18 asked Jesus in verse 21, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. How often do we think our Heavenly Father will forgive us? I dare say that none of us would like to count the number of times that we have sinned. But God is promising us that in sincere and true repentance, all our sins, no matter how many, no matter how often, will be forgiven us. And that's because forgiveness and love work together. Again, we go back to Luke chapter 7, while Jesus is in the home of Simon the Pharisee, and the woman is washing his feet, and Jesus tells the story of the two debtors, the one with the great massive debt that can't be repaid and the small debt. He then says, in, in thinking about the woman, verse 47, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Simon did not think well of Jesus, and this woman thought everything of him. Our attitude towards our Heavenly Father, our attitude towards our Savior, and our attitude towards those that are made in His likeness will determine whether we ourselves are forgiven. Once again, this is Jim Walsh. Thank you for listening to On Eagle's Wings. I hope you have a great day.